To begin our message, uh, I want to ask you what what are or have been some of your biggest hopes and dreams? What are or have been some of your biggest hopes and dreams? For some of us, we might think about our career. So for our students, uh, our school students and our uni students, uh, thinking about their careers and what's ahead of them and what's coming up. Uh, For some of us, we might be at a place where we're re-evaluating a little bit about where we're at. For some of us, we might be right immersed in something that we believe is our calling and the thing that God has placed on our hearts. And for others of us, we might look back on what we have spent a lot of our lives doing from a career perspective. Maybe that's been a part of our hopes and dreams. For some of us, we might think about planning for something really significant. So uh, this is definitely a dream at the moment, but the idea of going overseas on a holiday, for example, uh, once upon a time, that was something that we could have hopes and dreams about being able to do. And maybe at some time in the near future, that might be another hope and dream that we can explore. But uh, it could be that that's something you're planning for the future or something that you have planned, worked towards, saved up for, and then had a really, really significant moment of. For some of us, it could be about a significant purchase that we made. So working towards buying a car or buying a house or something that was really, really significant, investing in something, uh, that could be a hope or a dream that we've got or a hope or dream that we can look back on and reflect on. There's something really inspiring about hopes and dreams, a picture of the future that helps us to be able to move forward, to be able to set our priorities, to be able to have a sense of focus But our hopes and dreams also help us in those difficult times that we go through because we've got something to be able to look forward to, something that we know that we're working towards that can help us to move through the challenges that we face. And so today as we begin our new chapter together as a new United Church, I want to give us an opportunity to be able to think about what our hopes and dreams are for this church as we move forward. But we're also going to take some time to reflect on an even more important question. What are God's hopes and dreams for us as we begin this new chapter? So as I mentioned earlier, you have your teaching notes inside of the newsletter, so you can feel free to grab those and jot things down as we go through today's message. And if you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 3, because that's where we're going to go in a couple of minutes. Today, we're starting a new series that's going to go for the next four weeks, uh, where we are talking about what it looks like for us to start a new chapter together. And so today, we're going to talk about our hopes and dreams, as I said. And then for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the three key distinctives that we have as a church family together, which are being Jesus-centred, spiritual family, and then being able to see people's lives changed. And we're going to dig into the book of Ephesians to be able to explore what that looks like. And uh, we're going to just look at some different snapshots from Ephesians uh, to explore each of those different themes. So a little bit of background on the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was one of the many letters that was written by Paul, one of the key leaders in the early church. A lot of our New Testament is these letters that Paul wrote uh, to churches that he had planted. So Paul would go around, connect with people, help them to discover the message of Jesus, and then help them to gather together in these things called churches. And Paul would then move on and he would write letters back to each of these churches, which we're really fortunate to have because it helps us understand this is what's most important about following Jesus together. The letter to the Ephesians was written to the church in the city called Ephesus. And uh, our understanding is that it was probably written while Paul was in prison in Rome in about AD 60 or 61. 
And the church in Ephesus was this really diverse group of people that were coming together from all of these different backgrounds, all of these different experiences who were trying to unite together under Jesus. And what we understand is that this was a much more general letter that Paul wrote. A lot of the letters that we've got from Paul talk about very specific people or very specific circumstances. But this letter to the Ephesians is a very general letter. And our understanding is that it was probably passed around to a number of different churches. And so that's really, really helpful for us because there are lots of really great general principles that are super helpful for us as well. And I'm always kind of mind blown a little bit when I stop and recognise that Paul, when he sat down and wrote this letter, was thinking of a very specific group of people in a very specific context and writing the things that he was. And I'm pretty sure that Paul probably wasn't thinking about a group of people on the other side of the world 2,000 years later who were going to be reading these words, but God was. And God knew those words that Paul was going to write were going to be able to speak to us down the generations in a completely different context, but still be just as helpful for us. So as a part of digging into the book of Ephesians, we've also got a reading plan that is available. So this is something that we do fairly regularly, uh, that we put out reading plans. And so these are available out in the foyer. Uh, If you are on our email list, which if you've got an email address, you will be on our email list from tomorrow. Uh, You will get a copy of this with our weekly update that goes out tomorrow, an electronic copy. It will also be posted to our Facebook page this afternoon, so you can grab it there as well. But if you'd like a hard copy of it, you can feel free to grab one of those. And this will give us the opportunity to work through the book of Ephesians over the next four weeks. The other thing that we do with our reading plans is to post something to our Facebook page and our Instagram feed every day. So we post an image and then another set of questions to be able to reflect on and to just dig into a little bit more. So if that's helpful and you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can feel free to use those as extra reflection. And if you want to uh, post responses to that, you can feel free. Some of the reflections are quite personal, so there's no expectation about doing that. Uh, But if you'd like to engage with each other, feel free to be able to use that. But we hope that that will help us to be able to immerse ourselves in this amazing letter that really gives us context for who we are as a church as we move forward together. So today, Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. Paul writes, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Paul says, when I stop and think about everything that I've just said, and that's the first two chapters plus the first part of chapter three, when I stop and think about all of the enormity of what God has done through Jesus, the opportunity that we've got to be adopted into God's family with all of the rights and privileges that come with that, that this was God's plan from the very beginning that we would be swept up into that, the freedom that we have, the forgiveness that we have, the sense of unity that we've got because of Jesus, when I stop And I think about all of that, I can't help but fall before God on my knees and pray. This beautiful response. Paul says, when I stop and think about how incredible it is, I can't help but turn to God. And specifically, Paul then says that there are three things that he's praying for, for the people who will read that letter. And as I said, that includes us. And these are three really helpful things for us to be focused on praying for in the weeks ahead as we begin our journey together. The prayer that we would know God's strength, that we would know God's love, and that we would know God's power. So let's unpack each of those. First of all, Paul prays that we would know God's strength. In verse 16, he says, I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources, 
He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I'm always really challenged when I read these verses about whose resources I'm depending on. Am I focusing on my resources or am I focusing on God's resources? Because I know when I focus on my resources, I can very easily move into a scarcity mindset, holding on to what I've got, being really, really careful, not overspending, not being too extravagant, worrying about whether there's going to be enough to be able to keep going. It's really easy to focus on that when I'm relying on what I've got. But when I stop and think about God's resources, God's glorious, unlimited resources, everything changes. When I stop and think about the God who created the universe, who created planet Earth, who created each and every one of us in all of our diversity, who spoke life into being, who raised Jesus from the dead, who knows every single one of us to the core of who we are, who speaks every single language on earth. When I stop and think about that God and what his glorious unlimited resources are, I ask myself, is God ever worried about running out of resources? Does God ever operate from a scarcity mindset? And we know that that's not what God is like. God's focus is always on a generosity mindset, giving himself away, giving himself away, giving himself away, focused on abundance, how much there is, how much more there is to be able to give, so much more than can be earned or deserved. God just continues to pile generosity on in the way that he operates. And so Paul's prayer is that we recognise God's glorious unlimited resources and as we do, that we would be empowered with inner strength through the Spirit. And here again, I'm challenged about whose strength I rely on. Do I focus on my inner strength or do I focus on God's inner strength? And a really helpful image of this is to think about our mobile phones. And I don't know whether you've ever had this experience where you pick your phone up and you're about to send a message or about to call someone or about to look someone up, something up, and then you realise it says 1% left. It's terrifying, isn't it? Oh no, am I going to have enough? And then just when you're in the middle of writing that text message, about to make that call, looking that thing up, boom, your phone dies and that awful battery flat symbol comes up. Has anyone had that experience before, once or twice? And I don't know whether you've ever had this experience where you're like, I'll just try and turn it on again. Even though you know it's flat, so I'll just turn it on. Maybe there's just enough juice that I can just get it on to... But no, you just see this flat battery symbol there. The reality is that our phones can't restart themselves by their own power. They need an external source in order to be able to get going again. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It's a beautiful image of saying we can't rely on our own resources. Our batteries run out. We run flat over time. And the only way for us to be able to restore that power is to plug ourselves into the ultimate power source with the glorious unlimited resources of God and to be recharged by him. Paul says, are we cultivating our inner strength by tapping into God's resources or are we just trying to rely on ourselves? And Paul then says in verse 17, when we do that, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. 
Paul says that when we choose to embrace God's glorious unlimited resources, when we choose to embrace God's inner strength in our lives, then we experience Jesus moving into our hearts. And this is another beautiful picture. The idea of Jesus being invited into our homes and setting himself up. It's a beautiful picture of kind of Jesus standing at the door with his bags, ready to come on and move in. And we open the door and we say, Jesus, come on in, make yourself at home. But we actually mean it this time, not the polite make yourself at home that we generally say when we invite people over, where what we really mean is just sit there and I'll look after you. Please don't look in any of my cupboards. The genuine sense of make yourself at home, Jesus. Move in, rearrange the furniture, do whatever it is that you need to do so that you feel like this is your space. Paul says that's what happens. When we allow God's resources and God's strength to come into our lives, Jesus moves in and sets up home with us. And so as we begin this new chapter, it's a beautiful thing for us to focus on. God's glorious, unlimited resources for us. God's inner strength for us. This focus on allowing Jesus to move in among us and to make himself at home. Paul then says in the next verses that he prays we would know God's love as well as God's strength. In the second half of verse 17, Paul writes, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. This is another beautiful image idea of sinking our roots down deeply into God's love so that we can be held strong. And when I think about this image, I think about a beautiful, gigantic oak tree. I'm always blown away when I think about really massive trees that just have enormous branches that are stretched out. And somehow, even when the wind blows, they manage to stay up. And it's because their roots have been sunk so deep down into the ground that it keeps them strong. And so Paul says, may you sink your roots down deep into God's love. And as you do, to have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. These are also really helpful images for us. To think about diving into the ocean. Think about the depths of the ocean. How massive it is, how deep it is. It just keeps going and going and going. That's what God's love is like. How wide God's love is. Think about the idea of driving out into the outback and just the vast open spaces that just stretch on seemingly forever. That's what God's love is like. We think about how high God's love is. We think about soaring up into the sky and unlimited how much is above us. That's what God's love is like. And the more that we explore God's love, the more we recognise that there is to discover about God's love. When I think about this, I kind of think about the universe know whether you ever stop and think, we focus a lot on just like our little patch, the places that we go, where we are. But do you ever stop and recognise that we're a part of this gigantic city called Adelaide, in this enormous state called South Australia, in this huge country called Australia, that's a part of this gigantic world that we call the Earth. And some distance away, we have a couple of other planets that are near to us. And those planets with other planets are part of our galaxy that we're a part of. But our galaxy is just one of many, many galaxies. 
And the more that you kind of allow your brain to spread out and say, what? It just grows and grows. And Paul says that's what God's love is like. The more that you stop and zoom out, the more there is to be blown away by. The more there is to discover, the more there is to understand. But we can kind of imagine Paul dictating this. Our understanding is that Paul probably spoke these words and then someone wrote them down for him. We can kind of imagine Paul saying, may you have the power to be able to understand how wide and high and deep and long God's love is. But actually, now that I think about it, it's beyond understanding. It's so enormous that we can never really get our heads fully around it. And Paul is not saying that's impossible for us to understand, just that there is an unlimited amount for us to explore. But Paul also says this interesting thing about how we understand God's love. He says, may you have the power to understand with all God's people. Part of our understanding of God's love comes from being able to experience that with others. It's not just about my relationship with God and my understanding of what God's love is like. But as we journey together, we have the opportunity to learn from each other, to discover each other's experiences of what love looks like, to be able to share God's love with each other in practical ways and therefore to discover more about what God's love looks like, to share God's love with the people around us and to be able to discover more about what it looks like. It's amazing to think about that being one of the defining factors of who we are as a church. That people know us as one of the places where you get to experience and encounter God's love in deeper and more profound ways. But finally, Paul also prays that we would know God's power. In the rest of verse 19, Paul writes, Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. It's amazing to think about being filled with the fullness of God. The picture here that Paul's giving us is this idea of being so topped up with God's fullness that it spills out of us. That we receive enough of God's strength that it spills out of us. Enough of God's love that it spills out of us. Enough of God's power that it actually spills out of us onto the people around us. But Paul then says these incredible words, all glory to God who is able through his mighty work at power within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Just stop and think about that for a moment. God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think infinitely more, not just a little bit more, infinitely more than we could ask or think. And so I want to give us an opportunity to reflect on what that actually looks like. What are the things that we can ask or think about as we begin this new chapter together? I'm going to give us an opportunity to be able to reflect in a few moments on this question. What are your hopes and dreams as we begin this new chapter? What are your hopes and dreams about what God is going to do in us and through us as we begin this new season together? I want to share some of my hopes and dreams for us, not because these are the answers, but my hope is that this might just spark a couple of things for you. 
I took some time this week to have a personal retreat, something that I do on a regular basis to just get away and to reread through all of my journal entries for the last few months and uh, to see what key themes have emerged and the things that God seems to be saying and to take some time to be able to pray about what the next season is. And I was very intentional about doing that this week ahead of us starting this new chapter together. But a part of what I wanted to do was to be able to think about this question. What are my hopes and dreams for us as we begin this new season? And so, as I said, my hope is that this sparks some ideas for you that you're going to then have an opportunity to be able to reflect on in a couple of minutes. So feel free to jot things down if that's helpful. I have hopes and dreams about the environment when we gather together. The sense that was very present here this morning and when we had that opportunity to greet each other. This sense of excitement, this amazing buzz, this sense of anticipation and excitement that we've got about being able to be in the same place at the same time. But deeper than that, a deep sense of God's presence with us. That as we spend time singing together, as we spend time praying together, as we spend time unpacking scripture together, as we spend time gathering around the communion table together, there is a deep awareness that God is here with us, that Jesus has set up his home amongst us. I have hopes and dreams about being able to see each of us take our next steps in our walk with Jesus. And that's the simplest definition of what discipleship is to me, taking your next step in your walk with Jesus. And that's a focus for all of us for all of our lives. There are always more next steps for us to be able to take. And so I have hopes and dreams about what that looks like for us individually and together to be able to continue to step forward as we discover more about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us and the implications of that. Recognise that the best way for us to have those conversations is not when we're gathered together as a big group, but when we gather together in smaller groups. The best place for that sort of discipleship to happen is when we have conversations with each other, where we can be real and honest and vulnerable about what's going on for us and be able to talk about our practical next steps. I have hopes and dreams about the place of our kids and our young people as a part of our church family that they would continue to grow and develop and discover who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them as they embark on what their identities look like and as they look at where their lives are heading, but also this sense that they feel like this is their church, that even as kids and teenagers, they feel like this is a place where they belong and that they've got amazing opportunities to have an influence on us and an influence wider than us on their friends on their connections through school and uni, on the different things that they get involved in, to be able to make a tangible difference as they follow Jesus. I have hopes and dreams about what it looks like for us to be able to serve together, to recognise that, yes, there's stuff that we need to be able to do in order to just make things happen, but much deeper than that, there's a sense of us being able to recognise the way in which God has gifted every single one of us uniquely, put unique passions in each of our hearts to give us an opportunity to help his kingdom come, to help his kingdom be reflected in greater and greater ways. The opportunity for people to be empowered and excited about being released into the places where they feel like they can make the greatest difference and us being able to cheer each other on in that. I have hopes and dreams about our impact on the local community around us, that our neighbourhoods are better because we exist as a church. That people know that we make a tangible difference and make a positive impact on the communities in which we belong. That we have an opportunity to be able to serve in tangible ways. 
but deeper than that, to be able to give a sense of hope and purpose as we have Jesus-centred conversations in those relationships that develop. People discovering the message of Jesus for the first time, people being able to explore what meaning and purpose looks like in their lives as they encounter Jesus' values and Jesus' message. I've hopes and dreams about new people becoming a part of our church family. People who, again, have maybe never been a part of a church family before. There's a sense of energy that comes into a church when new people join. An opportunity to be able to ask great questions. An opportunity for us to stay on our toes a little bit as they work through, why is that important? Why do you do those things that way? But also an opportunity to know that what we're doing must be resonating with people because they're choosing to come and join us. I have hopes and dreams about people taking tangible next steps in that journey. People getting baptised because they've made a decision to give their lives to Jesus. People taking next steps to explore what God's calling is on their lives and the opportunity that they've got to participate in God's work with us as a church, but in the wider community and in the wider things that they do. Hopes and dreams about the stories of transformation that we will get to hear on a regular basis as people present their lives before Jesus and allow him to do what only he can do. So what are your hopes and dreams for this new chapter? What are your hopes and dreams for this new season? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to be able to reflect on that, be some music on in the background. But just take a moment to jot some things down. What do you hope is going to happen as we begin this journey together? Jot some thoughts down and we'll come back and pray and we'll transition across to communion.
What's amazing to recognise is what Paul says. God can do infinitely more than what we can ask or think. When we stop and think about everything that's been written down, every thought that we've just had about our hopes and dreams, Paul tells us God can do infinitely more than that. Is that not staggering? blows my mind to think about all of the different things, all the different ideas we've got about where our church can go in the years ahead. God can do infinitely more than that. But it's through his mighty power at work and it's for his glory. It's not through our strength, but God's strength. It's not because we managed to come up with enough love. It's because of God's love. It's not because of our power, It's because of his. And it's not for our glory. It's for his. Glory is about the idea of being able to make God look good. These things don't happen so that we can look good as individuals or as a church. These things happen so that God can look great. And that's our focus. Paul finishes with these words. I've taken the message translation. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all the millennia. Oh, yes. Let's pray. God, once again, we are so grateful that we've got the privilege of being able to start this new chapter together. And we do pray for the things that we've talked about this morning, that you would fill us with your strength, that you would fill us with your love and that you would fill us with your power so that we can do the things that you want and need and call us to do. We thank you for the hopes and dreams that each one of us have got about what this next season looks like, the potential that exists for us to be able to see people's lives transformed as we continue to centre ourselves on you, Jesus. But we know that you think so much bigger than us and that you're able to do infinitely more than anything that we can ask or think of or dream up. And that's exciting. And so we pray that as we move into this new season, as we continue to make our way through these initial weeks especially, uh, but as we head into the end of this year and start a new year next year, that you would give us a clear sense of vision and excitement about what it is that you want to do in us and through us as a church family. Help us to sense what it is that you're calling us to. Revive us, inspire us about what it means to be able to rely on your inner strength, to be filled with your Holy Spirit's power. To be able to be reminded again, Jesus, about everything that you've done for us. Everything that you've given to us. And to be reminded that this was the plan from the very beginning. That you don't wait for us to get ourselves together You don't wait for us to sort ourselves out. You throw these things on us because that's what you're like, generous and filled with love. And so we pray that that would inspire us to be the people that you call us to be so that we can make the difference in the world that you want and need us to make. In your name we pray. Amen.